Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, the activist arm of the judicial left prepares an all-out attack on a core American political norm, a left-wing billionaire pledges $500 million to support environmentalist campaigns against coal and natural gas, and the trade war heats up with possible Chinese retaliation in products over which they have a near monopoly. Since the confirmation of Justice Brett Kavanaugh to the U.S. Supreme Court, liberals have brought back an idea thought dead when President Franklin Roosevelt dropped it in the late 1930s. Court packing, or adding extra members to the Supreme Court to secure a naked partisan advantage. Leading the charge is Demand Justice, a project of the 1630 Fund, a 501c4 social welfare organization characterized as dark money by critics, which hosts a number of similar advocacy groups advocating for a left-wing policy agenda. Recall further that 1630 Fund is a project of Arabella Advisors, a left-of-center philanthropic consultancy responsible for a network of over 340 of these pop-up activist projects and groups. Court packing isn't Demand Justice's only extremist view. The group rates Democratic senators based on their commitment to voting against every single Republican nominee to a federal court of appeals, and the senators voting against at least three-fifths of district court nominees, many of the latter having been approved by Democrats under the Senate's blue-slip procedure. But increasing the number of justices from the current nine would be a break with 150 years of precedent, holding that the numerical composition of the Supreme Court is not subject to change on the whims of temporary partisan advantage. When FDR tried this in 1937, the partisan intentions were so clear that members of his own dominant New Deal-era Democratic Party restrained him. And while it did not cost his party its dominant majorities in the Congress, Republican gains in the 1938 elections placed the balance of power in the House in the hands of populist Southern Democrats, who were opposed to increasing FDR's power further. Court packing, as demanded by Demand Justice, is just one of many efforts by a new new left to overthrow constitutional and long-standing American political norms. Some of those norms include replacing the market economy with government control of the commanding heights of industry, restricting the ability of advocates to speak out on political issues, and partisan enforcement of those new rules, removing state-level control of electoral systems, overriding the Electoral College, abolishing the United States Senate, and tossing aside civil liberties that prove inconvenient to the progressive agenda. Term limits saw him depart Gracie Mansion in 2013, four years after his scheduled departure, because he got the term limits modified to serve an extra term, and he declined to run for president, but they haven't kept media billionaire and ex-New York City mayor Michael Bloomberg from playing in public policy issues with the resources that he earned in his business career. His latest bid from the noticed activist for gun control, environmentalism, and nanny state initiatives is a $500 million pledge to, quote, help eliminate coal by focusing on state and local governments, in the words of the New York Times. Bloomberg's secondary target, natural gas, makes little sense, even by his environmentalist lights. In recent years, the United States has reduced its use of coal, and the pollution thereto attending, by increasing its production and use of now far more affordable natural gas. Gas became the largest source of U.S. electric generation in 2015, a consequence of the hydraulic fracturing drilling boom. Bloomberg's vow to target natural gas earned his plan the moniker, quote, Beyond Energy, from the American Gas Association, a trade group for the energy companies. This is not the first effort Bloomberg has made to deploy his financial resources for environmentalist ends. He has contributed at least $150 million to the Sierra Club's anti-energy campaigns, again according to the New York Times. And environmentalists are far from the only left-of-center campaigners Bloomberg supports through his family foundation, 
the Bloomberg Philanthropies. Gun control groups like media outlet The Trace and campaign group Every Town for Gun Safety, groups committed to reducing personal choices and consumption of foods and beverages, and pro-abortion groups like Planned Parenthood Federation of America have all received support from Bloomberg Philanthropies or its associated groups. And as the president starts a trade war and a possible broader geopolitical conflict with China, China is considering its potential avenues of retaliation, avenues that play off years of errors in American mineral resources policy. It is worth noting first the likely complications of a possible Cold War II with China. I commend to you the thoughts of Walter Russell Mead, the Bard College and Hudson Institute affiliated foreign affairs scholar, in his Wall Street Journal column this week. Mead warned that, quote, we do not know either China or ourselves as well as we should in advance of such a putative geopolitical conflict. But as the administration proposes jacking up tariffs on Chinese products, one avenue of retaliation available to the Chinese government is a potential embargo on rare earth metals. Rare earth metals, the name is something of a misnomer as some are not particularly rare compared to other metals, are important in the manufacture of electronic components, electric motor for cars, and other industrial products. The United States once produced large quantities of rare earth metals. That is no longer the case because of regulations promulgated by the International Atomic Energy Agency and U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Instead, almost all rare earths processing and mining is conducted in China, in part because of a grandfather clause in the International Atomic Energy Agency regulations. China has used its de facto rare earths monopoly as a minor geopolitical weapon before. In 2010, it placed Japan under an unofficial embargo on rare earths exports, temporarily crippling the country's electronics industries. If you want to learn more about rare earths, China's position in the industry, and efforts to restore American production of these metals, see the series America's Rare Earth Ultimatum by Ned Mamala at capitalresearch.org. That's our show for this week. If you're listening to this on YouTube, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you have subscribed, thank you, and please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.